Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. It is God's heart, God's desire that the body of Christ be united. But how come it's so divided? How come within Christendom, how come there's so much division? How come there's so many different opinions, different views, different groups? I'm from this group, you're from that group. We fellowship with them, but not them. Like, how come that's like that? Who's the author of that? The enemy, right? God wants his body united. Satan wants it divided. One of the most tragic things about the modern day church is how divided it has become. Jesus himself exhorted his disciples to be unified before he ascended to heaven. Today, Pastor Bill will be encouraging you to no longer allow any minor differences to cause you to be at odds with other Christians. Jesus said the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. There are truths that should never be overlooked, but there are minor aspects that shouldn't keep you from unity. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 15 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. This is actually a continuation of what we were looking at last week. So for everybody that was in the study last week, Romans 14, uh, we looked at all the things that Paul was sharing with them as far as how we deal with differences in the body of Christ. When as Christians, there are things that we disagree on that are not necessarily biblical issues or salvation issues. And so there were lightweight issues like the Christians that were saved out of Judaism felt like they had come from this really strict religious background where they didn't eat certain foods, so forth and so on. They dressed a certain way. So when they got saved, they kept some of their religion with them. They kept some of the stuff that was no longer required, but they just had kept it with them. And it made them religious and made them legalistic. And so they were considered the weaker brother last week. Then you had Gentiles that you had people that, you know, was coming straight out the club or straight out the party and they got saved. And so they were these are Gentiles where we don't got none of that baggage. We ain't never dressed like that. We always oops, we always ate bacon. And so for them, it was, you know, they transitioned into Christ and. We're thankful for the liberty in Jesus, that their sins were forgiven and they can walk with the Lord. But as you would bring these two groups together, there would begin to be issues because the legalists would look at them eating their bacon burger and say, I don't think that's right. And they're judging them. And then the Gentile over here was saying, man, y'all tripping, y'all missing out. And they despise them. And so it, it gave cause that there'd be division. So we talked about that last week. If you missed it, you guys can go online and check it out. But as we come into this week, there's a continuation. And this is the heart of the section we're going to look at this morning. It is God's heart, God's desire that the body of Christ be united. But how come it's so divided? How come within Christendom, how come there's so much division? How come there's so many different opinions, different views, different groups? I'm from this group. You're from that group. We fellowship with them, but not them. Like, how come that's like that? Who's the author of that? The enemy, right? God wants his body united. Satan wants it divided. And so I was trying to think this through in terms of where we are today. So what in what ways would Christians be divided today over non-biblical issues, non-salvation issues? These these are not we're not dividing over because there's a place to divide. Just so you know, I'm not saying we connect with everybody. There are places when it comes to doctrine. 
that what you're saying is wrong is so wrong that I, I, I'm not going to fellowship. I'm not going to connect with you there. Uh, you're going to mislead people on how to walk with the Lord or even how to know the Lord. So um, so we're not dealing with biblical issues. We're dealing with just peripheral things. Can I eat this? Can I not eat that? One of the ways today, and this is just, you know, as I'm, I'm looking at where we are, I was thinking about Inglewood and where we're at. One of the ways today in which people are divided in Christ, be two Christians, um, over non-biblical issues, people divide over culture. Most churches in this city are usually one demographic or another. Typically, if you live in Inglewood, a church is going to be all black or all Hispanic. That's it. Why is that? How come that? How, I mean, I, I mean, I really, I really look at that and I think, why? How come? Now, I'm, I, I, I'm saying that. I mean, I'm looking at both of y'all today. So, you know, we got some, we got sprinkles. You know, we got some black, some Hispanic, some, we got some, we got some, you know, I don't know everything. I don't want to, I don't, don't want to leave nobody out. You know, I might shout out your group, you know, but hey, we've been blessed to have a mixture, which is my heart's desire. Uh, I believe that heaven is going to be mixed up. I believe that church should be run and function in such a way that one group wouldn't come in and feel like, oh, that's not for me. That's their church. This is Jesus church. So if we do Jesus church in a way that some group doesn't feel welcome, we're doing Jesus a disservice. Amen. That's one way I see the church divvied up today. That's not good. And so we're going to look at some principles in this chapter, uh, this section right here where God is saying, please, could you guys be united? Could you guys come together as one? Could we be could we walk in one accord in their principles that will help us walk in oneness and even in this, in a group like this, there are different people from different backgrounds with different in different places in their walk with the Lord. Some people are further along. Some people are just getting started. What can happen many times is those that are further along can look at those that are just getting started and despise them. What's wrong with her? How come she wearing that? What was you wearing when you first got saved? You know, you, you done forgot, you know, so um, and, and we can. So that's another way in which we can despise each other based on our maturity, where we're at. Forgetting that we all began somewhere, right? I'm not today, I, I wasn't where I am today, you know, in 95 when I first got saved. Uh, I look back at when I first got saved, mind you, I was definitely saved. But I look back at some of the things that I did and some of the things that I felt like were fine for me to do. You don't understand, when I first got saved, I felt so good about the fact that I'm not drinking anymore and I'm not fornicating. So everything else seemed like if I'm not doing those two things, I'm straight. You know, I, I mean, if I slap you in the mouth, I don't drink no more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was feeling really good about where I was at that time. Obviously, you grow beyond that. And I look back now at, you know, first couple of years and I'm like, wow, I was I was saved, but I was doing that. And so maybe people come in and we're in different places spiritually and we can despise or judge. Once again, God wants us to be united. He's going to teach us how. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. It says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for good, leading to edification. And so God said, look, for you guys that are strong, you guys that are further along in your walk, a little bit more mature. God said, this is how you're going to deal with the weak. He says, you're going to bear. Um, it says you're going to bear with the scruples of the weak. We don't use the word scruple, so let me let me give us that. Uh, scruples is a it's an error arising from weakness of mind. So when I'm looking at someone that they're in error, but it's because they're weak, weakness of mind. They don't either know the word that well or they're just barely getting going. They're weakness in them. God says, you guys that are strong, you guys that are more mature, just, you're going to bear with them. And 
it says bear with, but it, it, the idea really when you look up the word is really I'm going to bear them up. The idea is not I'm going to bear, I'm going to put up with you till you catch up with me. That's not the idea. The deal is I'm, I'm going to bear you up. I'm, I'm going to be helping lift you up. So, so as believers, when God has raised you up and, and, and you've matured and you've grown and you see people that are where you were, then we're not pointing down at people. We're saying, hey, let me get you up here with me, bro. Let me, let me pull you up. Let me, let me encourage you. I remember when I was there and this has really encouraged me. And maybe you teach them how to have a devotion life or you show them how to pray or you talk to them about the importance of fellowship. But the goal is I'm helping pull you up. I want to get you up here. And so I'm going to counsel in a way and share the word in a way and minister to you in a way where I don't just leave you there. I don't feel good that I'm up here and you're down there. But as as brothers and sisters that we're saying, hey, can I help you get up here? Can I pull you up? One of the things that somebody did for me when I was early, I was, you know, we were saved not that long, but I was getting involved in ministry and I was going. I was I was so excited for the call of God upon my life that I was a little too excited. And I had just went to the church I was going to go to Bible college at. So I had Bible college Monday, Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I had midweek church on Wednesday night. Um, Friday night, there would be outreaches and events and sometimes on the weekends. And so I was going and going and going. And this guy saw me and he don't know me from Adam. But he called me and said, hey, can I talk to you, bro? So, yeah. Hey, what's your name? I said, my name's Bill. You know, he said, I see you all the time, man. You, you love God. Huh? You're into this. I'm like, I am, man. I'm going to Bible college. I'm doing this. And until God called me to Inglewood. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you got a family? I'm like, yeah, I got a wife. Two kids at the time. Uh, I think Billy, she was, I think Mika was either pregnant with Bill or about to get pregnant with Bill. So, something like that. But it was early on. And, she, and the guy said, um, he said, he said, gave me this one. He says, you know, you could be here so much, learn how to be a man of God, that you're never home to be one. And rather than put me down from being there all the time, he opened up his heart and he shared with me some of his life where he had messed up and how he had lost his family behind his um, his, you know, seemed like a good thing. Ministry, but I got I got it out of balance. He said, can I give you a piece of counsel? So I'm going to encourage you to go home and look, just put the schedule out before your wife. Ask her, is there anything here you'd like me to not do? And then whatever she says, do it. You know, if you guys are going to do it together, make sure that you haven't cut her out of your life for ministry. And I said, OK. And I, I remember I went home and my wife was also you know, please do ministry. But there were there were places where she was like, I, I wish we had this. I like to set that night aside just for us, for the family. And I'd like to have this over here. And then we made another baby. And then it was like, that was great counsel. But this is an older gentleman reaching out saying, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not putting you down, but I, I see you jacking up a little bit. So before you crash and shipwreck, he reached down and he pulled me up. I've been so thankful for that guy. Amen. I've been so thankful that he he did that for me. He didn't owe me anything. He didn't, you know, it just was like, I don't want to just see the guy go bad. So my heart for us as a body of believers is that we would love each other like that, that we would look at each other and see what's going on, that we wouldn't just look at someone jacking up, be like, you see that? She not, that, her, that marriage ain't going to make it if she keep acting like that. And then you don't help nobody out. You got to say something. You know, if I see one of the fellas and I'm like, bro, that's not good. I can't just see it and know it and then watch you crash. I got to love you enough to say, hey, let's, let's look up. I want to talk to you about something. And then and then share it. Now, you know what else? We got to be good receivers because some people are not good receivers. I've had people that I pull aside and I share a little something with. And they're like, they, they, are you judging me? No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you out, bro. If I was judging you, I, I blast you out. You know, some people, they get in their feelings. They get upset. They, they don't want to be your friend no more. So some people are bad receivers. That's going to be on you. But we want to be good in terms of loving people enough to say, I want to bear you up. 
I want to pull you up. I want to help you out. Where are you strong at in your walk? Are you strong in your marriage? Then help out some people that are weak in their marriage. Are you strong in your finances? Help those that are struggling with their finances out. Are you strong in you've overcome alcohol and drug addiction? Then be willing to pull some people up when you, you see the signs. You can see that I could tell I know what's going on there. Be, love them enough. Right. Th- that's the idea of bearing up. I'm, I'm not just going to let you rot in my face, but I'm, I'm going to pull you up if I can. If you can be pulled up, I'm sure going to try. Amen. Amen. The heart that does that is a heart of love is one that says, I love God. I love my brothers and sisters. I love them too much to just let it be. And I will say, because it's, it's just in fairness, if you do this, it will cost you at times. It'll cost you relationships. If you got, you know, you're gonna, people are not going to like you sometimes. They'll get over it. But there, there'll be times where you do this. People are going to not like you. You know, everybody not going to receive it the first time. Uh, I didn't I didn't been accused of you name it, you know, just for. And we talked to you about this. <laughs> so um, you got to be willing to ride with that. You got to be willing to go ahead anyway and just say, God, I'm going to do this in Jesus name. I'm never going to do it in public. I'm never going to do it in front of other people. I'm always catch you one on one, but I'm going to shoot you with the truth and hopefully I can pull you up, help you out. So moving on. Um, that was verse two. It says, so let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. This isn't encouraging us to be a people pleaser. He says, I want you to please your neighbor for his good. Right. So I'm not just going to tell you whatever you want to hear so you feel good. But if I'm, I'm going to I want to please you, but for your good, that this is going to help you out. Um, so I just want to clear that up. It's not just making us people pleaser. I'm going to tell people whatever they want to hear so they can be like, oh, this is my favorite pastor. He always tell me what I want to hear. He told me I can go to the club and I can still live with them and do this. No, 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 no. For their good. So I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. I'm going to tell you, but it's going to be for your good. That's how we're going to do each other. And it says leading to edification. In other words, if they take your counsel, they roll with it. They're going to be edified as a result. They're going to be built up in their faith because of it. Verse three, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And so Jesus has always lifted up as our example. Right. Jesus says, hey, just like Jesus did. Right. Just like he helped out those that were weaker than him, just like he, you know, shared with people for their edification, told people what they needed to hear when they needed to hear it. Just like he did that. We're to do that. He's our example. And so even as Christ didn't leave to please himself, he didn't live to please himself, but others. That's the idea, too, is that we're living to please others. And as I was reading through this, right, this is not a study for married people, but I would just say married people. Um, (laughs) This is a great this. This would this would kill nine, nine point nine, 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 nine percent of marriage fights if it was just your goal to please them for their edification. So if this won't please them or edify, this is not going to help them know God better and build them up. I'm not going to do it. Um, just, you know, just meditate on that. Think about think through some some scenarios. Think, think through your last three fights and how if if I just decided that my goal was to please her. You know why we normally fight in marriages and outside? I want to please me. I want my way. And you're getting in my way. So because you get in my way, I'm going to talk to you some kind of way. And then, you know, then we go have, you know, then, then the police will be on the way, you know, and <laughs> it'll go on and on like that. So. If you die to yourself and decide, I, I'm, I'm going to please you, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm letting myself die and I get out of the way. Now, now you, you'll find that man, there's, a little, there's a lot little, there's a lot, they're very little for us to war over when I've decided, okay, I want you to be happy. I want to please you. I want to edify you. And even though I want this, you want that and that, that would please you and edify you, I'm going to do it. Um, so just marry people, that was, that's extra. So put it in your notes. So 
moving on. Jesus is our example in that. He said the reproaches of those. This is a this is a quotation out of Psalm 69, verse seven. And the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Um, you know, Jesus, some of the things that were that were in the same way as 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 if I represent Christ, then the, the way people feel about him, they're going to feel about me. The reproaches that they, they have towards him, they're going to have towards me. Um, that's that's what he's sharing here. Verse four now. For whatever things are written before were written for your our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. How come we have all the Old Testament? How come we have all the stories? How come we have all, all the things that are written back there? We're studying it on Thursday nights. Why is all that there when we're New Testament believers? We're not under the old covenant. We're not under the law. How can we study those things and learn them? God said, this is why all those things were written for your learning. And so for the Christian that says, I don't want to read the Old Testament, that's old, that's old covenant, I'm New Testament, I'm not going to read it, you're missing out. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if I study God in Leviticus, it's the same God today, I learn about God. Whenever I study any part of the body, I'm really studying God, I'm learning about God, I'm learning who he is, what he loves, what he hates, what he likes, what he don't like, how he wants to be, you know, us to come before him, how, what he wants us to live like, all that I'm learning as I study it. So God said, look, all the old stuff was written for your learning, so you could benefit. And then he says this. That through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, you might have hope. If you underline, highlight in your Bibles, you want to hit that. That through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, you might have hope. What is the patience of the scriptures? And what is the comfort? What's the patience of the scriptures? This is it. As you read through your Bible, right? For those of us that are going through right now, we're in numbers. And you read through and you look at over and over again, you see groups of people that God loves that are jacking up. And you read through the scriptures and you realize that God is patient, right? That, that how long does he wait? How much time does he give? How many opportunities does he, does he give? I mean, we looked last week at they, the, they were complaining about the manna and God's all. I mean, just look at those things and God says through the patience, right? As I look at those things, I, I know that I know the God I'm dealing with through the patience of the scriptures um, that I'm sorry, through the patience and then the comfort. As I look at how things end up. So we get to read a lot of stories from beginning to end. What if you just read the beginning of Job? Like, that's messed up, Lord. I mean, why you do that, brother, like that? He was upright, blameless, fear God, shun evil. Like, I, I'm, that, that would hurt my feelings. I'm, I'm afraid to be too good. You know, that's, that's what happened to the guys that walk real good. You know, I'm, I'm going to walk a little crooked then, you know. But it's not just the patience also. It's just the patience and the comfort. Why? Because I read the end of Job. And I realized that God said, I took him through some stuff, some really difficult stuff. But my intention was to bless him later. And at the end of his life, I did what he could. I, I gave Job things he couldn't buy. I restored kids. I gave him new kids. Um, you know, I straightened out his wife. The one told him to curse God and die. You know, I gave, and then God gave Job something money can't buy. I gave Job long life. He saw his kids and his kids' kids for three generations. He got to enjoy. What do old people love? They grandbabies. Bring me them babies. And Job got to enjoy that three times. Babies and grandbabies, babies and grandbabies, babies and grandbabies with good health. God said, I blessed him. When it was all said and done, I blessed him. And he in heaven right now. That, so, so, so what does that give me? Hope. That as I'm going through stuff, right? When you read the story of Joseph and you think, man, he's going through it. He's in jail, but he didn't do nothing. She said he raped him, her, but, her, but he didn't rape her. And he's in jail for that. And, and it didn't look right. And it looks going so long. And his brothers didn't like him. And they threw him in a hole and blah, 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 blah. But we get to the end of the book. And God raised him up, second in charge, saves everybody, food for everybody, wisdom from the Lord. And when he gets the opportunity to get his brothers back, he says, no, no, no. You guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive today. The patience of the scriptures. I get to see how it ends and it gives us hope. So we need to spend time in the word of God. Right. That's why it's so critical 
for the believer that we be in a church that teaches the Bible. So I know God, know his word, know what's going on. That on my own, that's why we do the Bible challenge every year. We're going to do it again. As Pastor Clint said in the beginning, I'm encouraging you to finish strong, even if you was weak in the middle. But as we go through the word, we're learning and we're growing in our relationship with him. And so that we're encouraged. There's hope through the scriptures. You know why people end up hopeless? Whenever I talk to someone that's lost hope, I know that they've gotten their eyes off of the Lord. You won't have your eyes on the Lord and lose hope. But when people lose hope, when they despair, I just, there's, there's hopeless. They just have gotten their eyes off the Lord. They need to get their eyes back on God. That through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Verse five. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you look at verses five and six together, um, there's a lot of things to speak about unification. That's why I called it united. We stand. He said, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like minded. Guys, I want you guys to be of the same mind. I want you to be I want you to be on one accord. Same mind. We got the same ideas flowing through us. Same mind toward God, toward one another, according to Christ Jesus. Verse six, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. That means we're thinking the same things. We're saying the same things. That we might glorify God in a united way. So this is really what I feel like the enemy has corrupted and wrecked in our time. And he started back here. As you, even as you, for you for before you finish your New Testament, there would be groups that Paul led to Christ. And Paul left and went to minister somewhere. Then he gets news that in his absence, false teachers came in to swoon everybody into uh, believing in another way. That's the, that the book of Galatians works out that way. Paul goes back and says, wait a minute. He says, who bewitched you? Who bamboozled you guys that, that you guys have left what I taught you when I left here? And the Judaizers had gone in and jacked them up. So today, while you have 20 groups all say they're Christian, but everybody does it different. Over here, you know, we, we do it like this. Over there, we practice that. Over here, in order to be saved, you got to come down, be water baptized, in the name of Jesus only, speak with tongues, then we confirm that you're saved. Bam. Over here, you just believe and confess you're saved. Over here, you get saved, but after you get saved, you got to dress like that or you're not really saved. Then over here, you know, after you get saved, we, you know, we expect this, all these other evidences and so forth and so on. And it's like, Huh? Then when nobody's speaking the same thing. And so what does that do to non-believers? Right. When they're looking and saying, you know, you're a Christian. I went to my auntie church, but it was it was different than when I went to your church. You know, I experienced that when I wasn't saved, when I wasn't saved and I, people could convince me to go to church. And I'm not being nasty. I'm not going to name the places, but I'm going to just tell you some of my experiences and how it just was weird to me as a non-believer. I went to a word of faith church. And I remember going in there. Now I'm, a, I'm selling dope and money is my God back in this time. So I understand hustle real good. And I remember going and sitting down. And I'm like, this dude is hustling. I mean, with a suit on, but he's hustling. And I, this is where I, I actually left the service. There was time to give and everybody got up with their envelopes. And they were like, it was time to give. And I'm like, it was in everybody. Like, Woo! And they acted like it was a party. And I'm like, he done convinced these fools to celebrate giving him money, you know, like, and I was like, I'm done. I'm gone. I ain't heard nothing. I ain't heard about sin. I ain't heard about Jesus. I saw that and I said, I'm done. I'm out of here. That was one experience. Then someone else reached out to me. I went to their church and I'm there. I'm a believer, living with my girlfriend, selling dope, getting drunk. I don't know about God. Didn't grow up in church. No nothing. I sat there 
And, you know, it's a little, little emphatic for me. I'm like, okay, whoo. The brother had like five Red Bulls, you know, before he got up there. And then without, you know, without warning, without, everybody, everybody just started getting up and it was like, I'm like, I don't know what that is, bro. I don't know if the devil got them. I don't know what just happened, but everybody's speaking in tongues and I'm like, I'm out, I'm gone. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a transforming word.